1: Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mader.
0: What is going on, MD Nation? As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we got a great episode for you guys as we start off the week 8 preview part 1 today. Always exciting to start off a brand new matchup with brand new possibilities for your fantasy football leagues. And of course, we have the Thursday night football game that we're going to preview later on tonight and all of the one o'clock games in today's episode, complete with a mailbag segment at the end. But we also have a special latest news segment that we have to talk about because I have not been with you guys since Tuesday and all the trade talks. So we're going to go ahead and get into that as well. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at MDSFFshow for all the player news update notifications and follow me on Facebook at MDFF Show, and of course, making sure you're checking out the website regularly, www.mdffshow.com, and we'll have the rankings up there later on today for you guys, so make sure you're checking all of that out too, and don't be afraid to email me with any questions for your fantasy leagues or anything about the show in general. Now we're going to go ahead, we're going to drop that latest news segment and get right into it. Latest news. So we had the two big trades this week involving wide receivers that definitely have some fantasy football implications moving forward. So let's start off with Mohamed Sanu. And honestly, at the end of the day, when Mohamed Sanu's value himself is involved with this trade, I don't think it really changes a whole hell of a lot for him. He's still going to be the second or third option on the Patriots team as far as the pass catchers are concerned, and could even be pushed further down the list, quite frankly, when Nikhil Harry is able to come back and play. Think of it this way. Mohamed Sanu is probably going to be utilized on the outside, especially now they've put Josh Gordon on the IR, and whether or not he stays on the IR is something that we have yet to see. He may wind up getting cut from the team. If they can reach an injury settlement, they may put him on waivers. Or the Patriots may say, hey, we don't want anybody else to have you and keep him on the IR. We're not sure what's going to happen there yet. But what we do know is that Josh Gordon is done with the New England Patriots moving forward. With Julian Edelman playing there, playing in the slot, I have to believe that Mohamed Sanu is going to probably be on the outside as a guy who's a good blocker. Maybe they're hoping he can help them out in the running game, especially on the outside, but... He's not a very good outside wide receiver, never really has been. He didn't really start to thrive and become fantasy relevant until he joined the Falcons and became more of a slot wide receiver. He's not going to have that option with the New England Patriots. So I don't know how much value he really has. Is he somebody right now, given the Patriots situation, to roster? Yes, he's somebody to roster to kind of see how this entire thing shakes out. Because nobody really knows exactly what the role he's going to have. We can only just assume based off the current roster that they do have. And that's what my advice is to you guys. If you had Muhammad Sanu, I would keep him on your rosters. If you don't and you're desperate for a wide receiver at the flex, I would think about maybe picking him up, but he's not somebody who had run out and grabbed in the waiver wire. He's not going to be a team changer down the road, and it doesn't amplify him to wide receiver three or wide receiver two status week in or week out. Now, what, is it, what it does do is well, how does it affect everyone else? Well, Julian Edelman, I think he stays the same. Pretty much. James White stays the same. That's the thing about Mohamed Sanu coming in. Because there's no more Josh Gordon, there's really not targets being gobbled up that weren't there before for these guys. And Philip Dorsett will stay in his role until Nikhil Harry comes back. And that's where things will really get interesting. Is When Nikhil Harry comes back, depending on how quickly they want to start him and play him, that's when we're going to get more of an indication of exactly how everything's going to fall as far as the priorities for the pass catchers go. Because I would not be surprised if Philip Dorsett got booted. Uh, he's going to be the first guy to get removed from fantasy relevancy if he does get to start. And Nikhil Harry might be somebody you want to pick up, because I think he will actually have more of an impact, especially as the outside wide receiver for the Patriots moving forward than Mohamed Sanu will. So it's really all going to depend. I think Nikhil Harry is actually a more worthy stash down the road, especially for your playoff weeks, than Mohamed Sanu would be second trade that we have to talk about is Emmanuel Sanders. Now, I don't know how healthy Emmanuel Sanders is right now, but assuming that he's good enough to play, and for as long as that remains to be true, he will be the number one wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers, who are are desperate, frankly, for that number one wide receiver. He fits the system pretty well with how Kyle Shanahan is most likely to use him, which he will have him line up on the outside, have him line up on the inside. Remember, there's still no Debo Samuel right now, and this could could give the 49ers the excuse they need to bump Marquis Goodwin down. Because I think one of the biggest things that he's been the starter is because they just haven't had enough depth at the position. And he's one of the veteran guys who knows the system pretty well. I do believe that Kyle Shanahan seems to be ready to have Dante Pettis be the starter or at least be more involved. That has been proven over the past few weeks. Even before Debo Samuel was injured, Dante Pettis was starting to be more involved. I remember last week against the Washington Redskins. That's a game where, for fantasy purposes, you just have to pack up and throw out. There's no, There was nothing to take out of that game moving forward to give you any kind of idea of what people's value actually are. Now, Sanders coming in does make Dante Pettis a worthy player for this. Prepare to be flushed. I mean, yeah, he has to be a guy who gets dumped. Outside of George Kittle, the 49ers so far this season haven't been able to give fantasy relevancy to more than one receiver at a time anyway. And now that could be Sanders week in and week out as long as he is healthy. Now, if Sanders were to get hurt or be knocked out, I do think that could open up the door for Pettis to once again be stash worthy because I do believe it's going to be him over Debo Samuel moving forward, even if that were to happen. But for now, there's no reason for Dante Pettis to frankly be on your fantasy teams. I think there's only going to be room for one wide receiver. This is a run-first team, which really limits the amount of volume there for the pass catchers. For now, Sanders himself, his fantasy value for this team, I think, could be a high-end wide receiver three, with some upside, depending on how quickly he's able to immerse himself into the offense. There is reason to be hopeful for him. There's reason to think that he will get more volume than he was getting in Denver. I mean, obviously, the team, the offense, Jimmy Garoppolo, the quarterback situation, is all a value vast improvement than what he was seeing in Denver. So it does stand a reason that he could be put in a situation to give you higher production and be a high end wide receiver three for you with some upside abilities. But like he's, like I said, keep in mind, I do think he's banged up, and it may not be long before he's out again. So don't get your hopes too up, but as long as he's healthy and good to go, you can start playing him as soon as this week. He's going to be out there. He's going to be starting against Carolina Panthers. I do believe you can start him this week as a wide receiver three or a flex play in your matchups, and we'll see how things go from here. So that actually wraps up the latest news segment. Kind of nice to have one every once in a while, have something exciting to talk about, and now what we'll do is we'll take a break, come back on the other side, start off by previewing the Thursday night matchup tonight. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. Hopefully, hopefully, you guys have some fantasy players on the Minnesota Vikings side of the ball tonight because otherwise this Thursday night game may not really be worth watching. It should be a very much one-sided affair. Yes, there's some revenge headline stories going on right now uh, with Adrian Peterson and Kirk Cousins, but look, Adrian Peterson's trying to do everything he can to suit up for this game. The guy has a high ankle sprain and from all indications early on is that they're reporting that AP is going to play in this game. I don't know how much. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a David Johnson situation where he came in, had a carry, and then left the rest of the game. If he is able to finish this game, he should immediately be test. T- t- uh, tested for steroids after this. I mean, he has to be, right? There's no way. I don't care if you're Adrian Peterson, there's absolutely no way on a short week coming off a high ankle sprain that you should be able to play in this game and be effective at all. And even if he was 100% healthy, he would still be a guy that there's no way I would start in my fantasy lineups this week against the Minnesota Vikings with that Washington Redskins team. So for fantasy purposes, he's irrelevant either way, but it just it would completely shock me him suiting up for this game it would completely shock me even more so if he could actually finish this game Redskins, outside of Terry McLaurin, there's nobody that you want to start on the Redskins side of the ball for fantasy purposes. In fact, outside of Terry McLaurin, there's nobody on the Redskins team right now that I want to own for fantasy purposes. The only guy that I would have some maybe desire to have start or not start, but stash on my team would be Chris Thompson down the road. Uh, we do know that he will have the passing, you know, ability when he comes back, but that's, that's the only thing. And because this Redskins team is going to be blown out pretty much by everybody the rest of the season, he could have some high floor appeal in PPR leagues. So maybe you're holding on to Chris Thompson for when he comes back. We're not exactly sure when that's going to be. As of now, there's been no set timetable. It could be a week-to-week thing with him. But even then, I don't know if he's somebody that I really want to stash on my benches, unless I'm in deeper leagues where there's just no real players and you need to get anybody who has a pulse. So Alex, I, there's nothing, nothing on the Redskins that you care about. Terry McLaurin, yes, you can play him. Terry McLaurin has been able to score touchdowns and produce in tough matchups before. Remember, like I said last week, the Redskins 49ers game, you pretty much throw that game out the window. There's nothing to take out of for fantasy purposes. So I do think you can play McLaurin. Yes, it's a tough matchup. He's performed in these tough matchups before. And because he's above and beyond the best player on that offense the ball's going to have to go to somebody at some point and it's going to have to be him so I do think you can play Terry McLaurin obviously you lower your expectations as far as what his ceiling could be this week but I see no reason why he can't finish at least as a wide receiver three for you a flex play for you in this one they're going to be down they're going to have to come back from behind he may excel in garbage time but the garbage time will be available for him so on the Minnesota Vikings side of the ball this is where it gets more interesting for fantasy purposes. This is where you should be looking at your chops. Dalvin Cook owner, sky's the limit for you. Stefan Diggs owner, sky's the limit for you too because now Adam Thielen is definitely going to be out of this game. As I expected, I really didn't think on a short week he was going to be able to come back from a hamstring injury no matter how minor it really was. So Stefan Diggs, look, great matchup. We know Kirk Cousins is going to want to have a good game in this one. His number one go-to target is going to be Diggs. So we know that with Dalvin Cook and Savon Diggs that their are you know ceiling is through the roof. The real question is, does anybody else have fantasy relevancy in this one? I, Kirk Cousins. He's gonna be one of the top streaming quarterbacks of the week. Now, I don't know how much he's gonna do in the second half, because this should be a blowout city pretty early on. If somehow the Redskins could stay in this game the first half, that would actually do wonders for Kirk Cousins' ceiling for fantasy purposes in this game if they actually had to stay aggressive in the second half. But I'm just I'm not expecting that to happen. I'm not. Um, but he is still gonna be one of the top streaming quarterbacks that you can go ahead and play this week. Outside of that, Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith Jr. Because there's no Adam Thielen, I do believe they're going to be using the two tight end sets quite a bit in this game, and they're going to be more involved in the passing game. Of the two... I trust Irv Smith Jr. a little bit more for fantasy purposes. I know Kyle Rudolph was the guy who got the touchdown last week, but he is primarily primarily there to block most of the time. Irv Smith Jr. is running more routes than Kyle Rudolph, and I think it's just a matter of time before he's the main pass catcher. It could be in this game. He's got a great matchup. I think he's more of a mismatch than Kyle Rudolph is for this particular one. So I do think Irv Smith is somebody who, in deeper leagues, maybe not even so, If you're desperate for a tight end situation, guys like Mark Andrews are on by this week. So you may be looking for a tight end to stream. He's a guy who you could go to and at least have an expectation that he could be serviceable and have a decent floor for you in this matchup with a possibility of scoring. Same thing does go for Kyle Rudolph, but of the two, I would lean a little bit more towards Irv Smith Jr., but the same thing does go for either one of these guys in this game. I do think they're going to be utilized. I do think they're going to have decent floors. Uh, if you're in really deep leagues, 14-team, 16-team leagues, and you're desperate for a flex or a running back, too, Alexander Madison, like I said, I do expect this game to be a blowout early on. He might get the entire fourth quarter to himself. We've seen it in the past when the Vikings have blown out teams so far this season. They would go to Alexander Madison in the fourth quarter just you know, because there's no reason to get Dalvin Cook hurt if he can play in the fourth quarter, or maybe if he can get some run in the third quarter, Alexander Madison might actually have a decent floor for you in this one. He might actually be able to get one of those 50 to 60-yard games that he has gotten in the past with maybe a touchdown. Like I said, we're talking 14, 16-team leagues in this one. If you're in 10, 12-team leagues, you're not going to do this. But if you're in those leagues and you're desperate for a running back or a flex play, I think he is somebody who could be a little sleeper for you because I do think he's going to get his opportunities later on in the game to give you some production. So that's somebody else I would have my eye on as well in those situations. Our next game up, we're going to go ahead and go to the 1 o'clock games on Sunday. We got the Seattle Seahawks. And the Atlanta Falcons in this one, you're playing all the Seahawks, obviously. I mean, the Atlanta Falcons can't stop anybody. The Rams look like they weren't even trying really out there, and they were able to put up 37 points on this team a week ago. They're in total disarray. Dan Quinn has to be fired any day now. I can't believe the guy still has a job to begin with, but has to be coming any day. Russell Wilson, sky's the limit. Chris Carson, sky's the limit, especially with Rashad Penny coming in last week. Yes, it was his first game off the hamstring, and I didn't expect him to get too much of a roll, but to only get two snaps for no touches last week, I think it tells you something. This is definitely, without a doubt, Chris Carson's backfield. There's no plan for Rashad Penny here. Now, I will give this one caveat. We've seen this before. We've seen Penny not be involved, and then all of a sudden, Chris Carson comes in, and they wind up splitting carries the next day, but I don't expect that to be what happens here. So definitely start Chris Carson, uh, which you should go without saying, but I wouldn't start Rashad Penny. We don't know what exactly what we're going to get, uh, out of him or when he's going to have fantasy value. Right now, he's just, he's nothing more than a handcuff, uh, at the moment. And of course, Tyler Lockett, sky's the limit for him. He's been seeing a healthy volume. Even when Seattle hasn't been performing well, he's been able to either get in the end zone or have a decent floor for you. And of course, he always has that big playability. And against the Falcons who give up, you know, some of the most deep touchdowns to teams right now, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are both going to be great starts for you this week. I mean, DK Metcalf is going to be a high end wide receiver three with lots of upside in this matchup. Wouldn't be surprised if he caught a bomb. So the same thing goes with Tyler Lockett. I think Tyler Lockett is a high end wide receiver two, borderline wide receiver one, frankly, uh, in this game as well. So you start all the Seattle Seahawks. On the Atlanta Falcons side of the ball, it gets a little more interesting. So it looks like, it looks like Matt Ryan is going to be able to find a way to start on Sunday, which is amazing to me being how bad that ankle injury looked, came out with a boot later on, but from all expectations that he does plan on playing on Sunday. So that's really good for Really, everyone involved who's on your fantasy team that's on the Falcons. Uh, we've seen Seattle. They are a middle-of-the-road defense this year. They're not anything that you would have to worry about. Uh, Devontae Freeman's not going to have Ito Smith to deal with. He has already been ruled out with a concussion heading into this week. So, Devontae Freeman is going to have an opportunity to be the workhorse back this week. So, that should bode well. Look, is he going to be efficient on the ground? Probably not. I don't think that offensive line is good enough to really be able to allow him to be efficient against anybody. But if he's getting all of the work and all the volume and getting involved in the passing game, he should have a solid fantasy football day. And then Julio Jones will be fine. Calvin Ridley... I know he's been disappointing, but this is an opportunity with no Muhammad Sanu that targets are going to open up somewhere. And I have to believe that it's going to be Calvin Ridley and Austin Hooper who benefit the most from a Muhammad Sanu absence. Uh, those are usually the territories in which Muhammad Sanu is running. And I think both of them are going to get an equal share of those targets that get left over. Julio's been Julio. Julio's been getting his targets. Muhammad Sanu leaving doesn't add extra to his total, his capability of what he's going to get. It more helps out Ridley and Austin Hooper. Ridley's too good of a receiver to keep being held down the way he is but I would say on a week where there's only two teams on by even in a matchup that doesn't scare against Seattle Seahawks and is in Atlanta I don't know if you can really trust to play Calvin Ridley right now unless you're injured unless you're just hindered by injuries or unless you're in deeper leagues and he would be nothing more than a flex play for me at this moment just because he hasn't been very good Austin Hooper, on the other hand, there's no reason he can't continue to be a top five tight end. Now, all of this, all of this hinders on Matt Ryan truly being able to play on Sunday. If he cannot, if it is Matt Schaub, then Devontae Freeman and Julio Jones are the only two players that I really want to trust. Austin Hooper, you may not have a better option. And Schaub did throw him the touchdown last week. This is true. But everyone's going to take a step down with Matt Schaub. And the only guys because of the workload and because of the talent that I think are safe would be Julio, of course, and Freeman because of the workhorse role that he's expected to have this week. Austin Hooper, I think, would have a hard time with Schaub at the quarterback position against the Seattle Seahawks. Calvin Ridley, I wouldn't even play him in deeper leagues at all. So it's all dependent on Matt Ryan starting for guys like Ridley and Austin Hooper for what their fantasy value could be this week against the Seattle Seahawks. So just keep that in mind. That's what the expectations really should be for these guys. Next game we're going to talk about here is the Philadelphia Eagles and the Buffalo Bills. We have an interesting mix in this one. So Deshaun Jackson, still not expected to play this week. Still weighing on a week-to-week basis for him when he's going to be able to make a comeback. We still don't really have a set timetable for him. If you've held him this far, keep holding him. Because when he does come back, he should be thrust right into that role that they're missing, which is that deep-down-the-field target. I'm good with Deshaun Jackson. He could wind up being a league winner down the stretch if he can get back healthy, get back into the lineup for the fantasy playoffs. He really could be. His His... Ceiling with this team could be through the roof. Could be that home run threat that you need to plug in your lineup to give you that firepower to put you over the top. So if you held them this long, keep holding. As far as everybody else goes, Carson Wentz, can't love him this week. Buffalo Bills, they have a great defense. He doesn't have that deep field threat without Deshaun Jackson, so he's going to have trouble stretching out this Bills defense. I think Austin Jeffrey is going to really struggle against Tredavious White. So I would back off of him as well. Um, you may not have a better option. Alshon Jeffrey's been a pretty solid low-end wide receiver too throughout the entire season. So you may not have a better option than Alshon Jeffrey. But if you do, I would kind of stay away from him in this matchup. I don't have a high expectation for him whatsoever. Jordan Howard. You can play him in the flex because he's always a threat to score because you know they get within inside the 10-yard line. It's a Jordan Howard show. I don't expect him to be very efficient on the ground and would look for better options as well. Miles Sanders, the only scoring format that I'm even considering Miles Sanders would be a PPR format, and even then, I'm not going to feel great about it. Even then, he's nothing more than a low-end flex play. So this is a week where I'm really not going to want to start a lot of Eagle players. Zach Ertz, again, you may not have better options, but he's had problems that are go beyond even having a tough matchup in this one. Uh, he just hasn't been utilized the same. Even when Dallas Gowder hasn't been involved, he was involved last week, but even there's been plenty of games where he hasn't been involved in the offense, and Zach Ertz still can't get you more than 50 yards, it seems like, and hasn't been able to score. But again, the tight end position being what it is, you may not have a better option. So you may have to continue to play Zach Ertz. But you have to lower expectations for this team. I don't think this is going to be a very high-scoring game at all. So that brings us to the Bill side of things. Frank Gore, Devin Singletary are still going to split. Now, they may have more success against the Eagles than you would expect if Fletcher Cox cannot play, which is a possibility, and they still don't have Timmy Jernigan back, which is also a possibility. Eagles defense is really banged up right now, especially in that front seven. So this is not the same run defense that we've seen through the first part of the season. So keep that in mind too, but because they're going to be splitting into each other's work, just like I said last week, even when they're playing the Miami Dolphins, I didn't want you guys to play Devin Singletary or Frank Gore because they're gonna be cutting into each other. And I do think it'll be a 50-50 split this week. And therefore against the Eagles, while even if they're banged up, are still better than the Dolphins were. I don't know how you start any one of these guys with any confidence. Yes, they need to be rostered. Devin Singletary could re-injure that hamstring, making Frank Gore the the back, or Devin Singletary at some point could take over. So they both should be rostered for different situations, but I don't know how you play either one of them with confidence this week. John Brown. I'm going to take my shot with John Brown. John Brown is a... Wide receiver three with upside this week. He's going to have the big play capability, especially against the Eagles. He was able to do it last week against the Dolphins. He is the guy who gets most of the targets for this team. For Josh Allen, if he is going to have a decent game through the air or at least have a keep, a couple of decent throws at some point this game, I do think John Brown is going to be the beneficiary of that. So I do think you can go ahead, plug John Brown in, and have a good chance to get that big play you're looking for when you do so against the Eagles. Obviously, the matchup is there. Cole Beasley, I know he scored for the first time last week. I don't think he's going to have a great game in this one. Like I said, I still think this game's going to be very low scoring at the end of the day. But if you played him last week because you needed a flex play or whatever the case may be, if you're in the same situation again this week, this isn't a week where you can't play him. This is a week where you can take that shot. But I would, it's only talking deeper leagues, PPR leagues, I'm not playing them standard or even half point, frankly, and hopefully, hopefully, you would have a better option than Cole Beasley. Just the passing game of the Buffalo Bills is, regardless of matchup, too unpredictable as far as the volume that will be available. And that's to be expected with a team that is a run first and Josh Allen as a quarterback who's just not accurate. So John Brown's the only wide receiver of the Buffalo Bills that I'm going to want to play this week unless you're truly desperate. Dawson Knox, yes, he's been targeted more and more for the past few weeks, but the production really hasn't increased along with it. And I got to think you're going to have better options to go to. I would take an Irv Smith Jr. this week, and I think you're looking at them in similar territory off of your streaming waiver wires. Great, come back on the other side. We still have more games to preview for you on the 1 o'clock games on Sunday. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics, Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. Rolling along here, we have two teams that are really struggling right now as of late, especially for fantasy purposes too, with the Los Angeles Chargers and the Chicago Bears. Now, on the Chargers side of the ball, really no injuries of note heading into this game. Everyone's pretty much healthy and good to go. The plus side we have going into this game for both Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler is that Russell O'Kung is expected to come back and play this week. So that's a big-time upgrade to that porous offensive line. It's so banged up right now. So this will really help them out, not just in the screen game and in the run game, but will also help protect Phil Rivers in this game much better too. Uh, so we'll see what happens here. Chicago Bears have been susceptible to the run over the past few weeks, ever since Hicks went out and he's going to be you know out for the rest of the season. So the Chicago Bears are no longer a defense that you have to be fearful of from a running back standpoint. We have to see how Melvin Gordon responds last week. After not being able to punch it in twice on the goal line, after fumbling at the end of the game to end the game, the Chargers were you know basically less than a yard away from winning that game and have been spiraling since. Now, I do want to talk about the storyline right now going on the Chargers. And the storyline, of course, I think everyone knows here listening to the show from everyone, from all the other sources out there, is that the optics of this team has not performed very well since Melvin Gordon has returned, and somehow Melvin Gordon's making this team worse. That is absolutely a retarded, erroneous, ignorant thing to think. Because it shows that if that is your analysis right now for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, it shows you're not actually paying attention to what's going on. And the fact of the matter is, since Melvin Gordon's returned, this team has been devastated by injury. First thing to go, Marquise Pouncey. I'm sorry. First thing to go is Russell O'Kong. Then Marquise Pouncey. Now Forrest Lamp. Last three weeks in a row, they've lost key essential offensive linemen every single week. They're going to get Russell O'Kong back this week. But they've gotten banged up. Watch that play again. Watch them on the goal line again. That offensive line was stood up. There was absolutely, positively no push whatsoever. So yes, Melvin Gordon, the star that he is, is still still supposed to be able to find a way to get a few inches in that situation. Don't disagree that he still needs to be held accountable for that. But that offensive line went nowhere, and went nowhere the entire game last week. There was no push. There were no holes. And Austin Eckler wasn't any better on the ground. He was more utilized in the passing game. But his biggest receptions of the day, when he had 100 yards last week, were when he lined up as a slot wide receiver, not coming out of the backfield. So if you're sitting there like Melvin Gordon has made this team worse, then you're making it clear and obvious that you're not actually paying attention to what's going on with the Chargers, which is fine. But don't have that analysis. Don't have that opinion unless you're taking all the things into consideration. That defense has been devastated by injury. The Chargers as a whole are pretty much playing half of their second line right now since Melvin Gordon's return has nothing to do with Melvin Gordon I know what the optics look like I know what people are talking about I know they're saying Austin Eckler looks better yes Austin Eckler's style of play gives him a better chance to be able to make plays behind an offensive line that cannot block because he's a quick twitch because he's a scat back scat backs are going to do better in situations that offensive lines aren't very good because they have the ability to make something out of nothing because they have more of an ability to make guys miss Melvin Gordon's more of a rhythm runner he's more of a get up the middle type of guy but when your offensive line's not getting a push up the middle it's kind of hard for a guy like Melvin Gordon to do much doesn't mean he's worse than Austin Eckler doesn't mean the team's better with Austin Eckler I really think and they've been starting to do this a little bit more and more they started to do it last week when Eckler was lining up in the slot I really think this team needs to start using both of these guys on the field at the same time especially since they don't have Travis Benjamin again for the rest of the season they don't really have another wide receiver. They like putting Keenan Allen into the slot, but I would just use Austin Eckler as that other wide receiver more times than not. And of course, you line him up in the backfield too and play him that way, but I would have both of these guys on the field at the same time. As far as fantasy purposes go, I think you can play Melvin Gordon against Chicago. Yes, he has to be more of an RB2 heading into this week, but with Russell Kong returning, with what the Chicago Bears have had troubles stopping the run over the past month, I think you can play Melvin Gordon with some confidence as an RB2 this week. Austin Eckler, he's definitely a flex PPR guy. I don't think he's going to go over 100 yards this game, but he's going to be utilized in the passing game. He's going to be there to take some pressure off of Phillip Rivers, who's been under duress. So he's going to get his, he's a flex guy in full-point PPR leagues in half-point PPR leagues. In standard, I still think you can play him as a flex, but just keep in mind that he's having more trouble than Melvin Gordon as far as his rushing production goes. So I don't know how much he's standard leagues right now. So I do think you can play Austin Eckler. Keenan Allen is gonna to have to get it turned around at some point. You don't love the matchup here because the Chicago Bears defense is good, but you're also not afraid of it because Prince of Mooka and Allen a high expectation, or at least a decent expectation. I do think they're gonna be able to get things game. One thing about the Bears is that while their defense is really good, their offense is giving the other teams opportunities. Because of that, because their offense has been terrible, so is disappointing. But a lot of wide receiver ones had so far this season, and he's one of the few who at least came out hot at the start. That goes through these slumps we've seen it in the past, and we've seen him break out of it, especially towards the end of the fantasy playoffs. Right when you need a Mike Williams, is nothing more than a low end wide receiver three, high end wide receiver four. At this point, Still, he's able to get the lid off that end zone, and I don't know when that's going to be. I don't necessarily have any confidence it's going to be this week. He's just he doesn't have enough of a ceiling. He's a guy that you're hoping gets 70 to 80 yards. That's it. That's that's pretty much been his ceiling so far this season. He's just not getting in the end zone. Matchup against Chicago is suddenly one that makes you think that he will. Maybe better days are ahead, but right now, He's not, he's just not performing the way we all expected him to going into the, going into this season over the summer. He's just nothing more than a low end wide receiver three, wide receiver four. You play him in the flex if you have to. Floor with a much higher ceiling in the same territory of a Mike Williams. So I would look for Henry. You got to play him. He's on fire as of late. Doesn't matter what the Chargers have done offensively. Doesn't matter how much they have struggled. He's solid every single, even Philip Rivers to some degree. Look, while he hasn't played great from an NFL standpoint, He's burst on a couple of touchdowns in almost every single game, even when they're coming from behind. Because once again, they've had to go to the passing game because they can't get any production on the running game because of that offensive line. So Phillip Rivers, I would expect him to high volume in the passing game, which should give him a high floor even in this matchup at Chicago. Now, I don't love options for you because he is somebody who is more considered as a QB2 and as a streamer. And I think there's better guys you can go to, Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford this week, for instance, uh, even Jacoby Brissett to some degree. But he is somebody that that I do think has a high enough floor in this game. The only person right now that I think you can play with any confidence is Allen Robinson. Maybe Tariq in a full-point PPR league in the flex because of the volume that he's been seeing there with Mitchell Trubisky looking to check the ball down. So in a PPR league, that's going to give him a decent floor. I do think you can play him in those situations as a, as a flex. Allen Robinson is really the only fantasy-relevant Chicago Bear player. That you actually want to play. And he has a tougher matchup against Casey Hayward. Now, Hayward hasn't been shut down. He hasn't been the black hole that he has been in the past. You have been able to get production on him. And because of the added volume of Trubisky just looking for Robinson all over the field, it may still give him a safe floor. And I do think he still has a safe floor in this game. He just may not have a high ceiling expectation between Hayward sticking him and Trubisky being his quarterback. But I do think he's a solid wide receiver three going into this week. But that's the only guy who's fantasy relevant right now for the Chicago Bears. David Montgomery might be the starter. They're not running the ball enough. Now, Matt Nagy did come out last week and say he knows he has to run the ball more. And this isn't a bad matchup to try to do that. But kind of like the Chargers, they have their own offensive line injury issues that they're trying to deal with at the moment. And that's been the biggest problem for them. So I don't know how you play David Montgomery with any sort of confidence unless you absolutely have to. But I wouldn't take that chance. I want to see him actually get going first before I'm plugging into my fantasy lineup again. Even if that means he does get going in this game, I'm not going to take the chance on him. Next up, we got the Giants and the Detroit Lions in this one. We've got some actually decent fantasy relevancy to talk about in this game. First off, Sterling Shepard, not expected to play. He's going to be expected to miss at least one more week. He keeps saying that he thinks he could play this week, but it seems like the Giants are being extra cautious with him, especially since he's had his second concussion of the season. It makes sense. There's no reason really to rush him out there. You're not actually in playoff contention if you're the Giants. So I think it's going to be one more week before we see Sterling Shepard, which means there's going to be added volume for Golden Tate added volume for Evan Ingram. Saquon's going to be Saquon. Obviously, you play him. He's going to be an RB1. I think you can play Golden Tate as a low-end wide receiver, too, with the volume that he's going to see with no Sterling Shepard in a game in which the Giants should be coming back from behind for most of it. And the same thing goes to Evan Ingram. He's going to have better weeks ahead with him. I think there's a good chance he has a decent game in this one as well. So those are the three you start. Everyone else, pretty relevant when it comes to the Giants. On the Detroit Lions side of the ball, yep, we got the news. on Johnson on the IR, done for the fantasy season. If the Lions make the playoffs, he might actually be back for that. But as far as fantasy purposes are concerned, he's done. 100%. Uh, with Stafford, one of my top, if not my top, streaming quarterback of the week. I'm going to have my rankings out on the website, www.mdffshow.com, later on today. You'll be able to check that out, and I'll have more confirmation once that's finalized. But right now, it's looking like Matthew Stafford's going to be my number one streaming quarterback this week. Against the Giants, you love the matchup. you love his weapons with no carry-on Johnson. And we'll talk about the running backs and their fantasy value in a second. But with no carry on Johnson, there's a very good chance the Detroit Lions are going to lean more on the passing game moving forward. So Matthew Stafford, who has been pretty good this season, I do believe is going to have even more volume his way starting with this week. And this is the best week to take care of it. Kenny Galladay should have a great matchup in this one. He should get back going after having a bad game last week. Marvin Jones, look, his value doesn't change because of the big week that he had last week. He's always been in his role. He's always been in a situation where he can make a big play on the outside. He's always a red zone threat because he's always been very good there. That's the guy you play wide receiver three. You're looking for a touchdown. It doesn't change because he had a big week last week. Danny Amendola, there's going to be weeks you can play him if he's healthy. This isn't one of them. When Kenny Galladay has a tougher matchup, then that's when you can expect Danny Amendola to see more of a target volume. Now, it's not to say he can't have a good game in this one against the Giants, because he could. Everyone could have a good game on the Detroit side of the ball against the Giants right now. But it's more likely that Danny Amendola will be fantasy relevant or have a higher ceiling of expectations heading into a matchup when Kenny Galladay is seeing a number one corner. So just kind of keep that in mind because he's somebody who's definitely on a lot of waiver wires right now. A lot of people are looking at him, especially in PPR leagues. He can be fantasy relevant for you, but I like it better when Colliday has that tough matchup on the outside because then they'll look to go to Marvin Jones more and look to go to Danny Amendola more. So that's kind of how I want you guys to play it. Now, as far as the running backs themselves go between Ty Johnson and JD McKissick, I talked about this on the waiver wire report earlier on in the week. Ty Johnson's definitely going to be the lead guy. There's no doubt about that. J.D. McKissick will be worked in. This will be a form of a committee. Without having a ton of data as far as what exactly the split is with no carry on Johnson yet this season, what we have seen, what we saw last week, and what we have seen in the past is that it does seem to be a... leaning towards 60-40 split between the two of them. That's what I think you're going to see in this one. I think it's going to be you know 60 Ty Johnson, 40 J.D. McKissick. He will be involved. I think in PPR leagues, J.D. McKissick can have some value for you in the flex as a spot star if need be but outside of that, I don't know how much I'm trusting him. Ty Johnson is the much better runner. He's a much better running back in general, and he does get involved in the passing game too, so he's not going to go away there. JD McKissick is not going to automatically take over the third down or passing down role every time out there. He might be the running back they go to in two-minute drill. That wouldn't surprise me, but it's not going to automatically be JD McKissick every time they look to throw the football which is why I think it's going to be more of a 60-40 split in general in favor of Ty Johnson cuz he he does pretty well in that right too. I think you can play definitely play Ty Johnson this week. McKissick only if you absolutely have to. If you happen to have, you know, one of the guys are on by or you happen to have some injury problems right now, maybe you can play him in the flex, but I would probably lean towards not with JD McKissick. I more want to see how this breaks down, how the split's truly going to break down this week before I get a better idea of how, what his fantasy value is really going to be moving forward. But Ty Johnson, after, after watching Chase Edmonds goes off, how do you not play Ty Johnson this week against the Giants? How do you not? So you can definitely play him. I think he's an RB2 heading into this week. Next game we were going to talk about is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Tennessee Titans. So first, starting off the Buccaneers, Jameis Winston—not somebody I want to play this week. Titans have a very good defense. This is in Tennessee. Um, while the volume for Winston can always give him a decent floor as far as fantasy purposes go, he's really good chance he's going to throw a lot of picks. So if you're in leagues that you you know, interceptions do count against you, minus two or even more in some scoring formats. I don't know how much you're going to love James Winston in this one. There's a very good chance he's going to probably throw at least two picks in this game. Going to be under duress. The Titans even has been pretty good. Uh, it's not a great matchup for Mike Evans. I do think Chris Godwin stays as safe as they come. I do think the Buccaneers are obviously they're going to have to throw, no matter what the situation is. Whether they're coming back from behind, it doesn't matter. They just don't have a running game. And I don't think Peyton Barber or Ronald Jones in this matchup are going to be able to do a thing against the Tennessee Titans defense. I mean, they've been tough against everybody so far. There's no reason to think they're going to have any success on the ground in this one. So the volume will be there. But there's a lot of other better options that I would trust more this week That you could stream off the waiver wire. I would still keep James Winston. He has good matchups coming back. We know what he can do for fantasy purposes when he gets hot, when he has his big games like that. So I would still try to keep him. But there are other options, I believe, that I would stream and start over Winston this particular matchup. I don't love it here. Evans, you have to play him. Godwin, you have to play him. Other than that, that's it. I'm not playing anybody else for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Period. Um. OJ Howard hasn't practiced yet this week. Not that he's fantasy relevant anymore at this point, but just to kind of give you a heads up there, he may not be out there. Maybe Cameron Brate will play more if OJ Howard cannot go, but he's still going to be more limited to his pass catching role. And this offense still just hasn't been utilizing the tight end in general. So I don't know how you trust Cameron Brate even as a, a low end sleeper streamer. For the Titan side, I think you can start Ryan Tannehill this week. Uh, I don't feel great about it because it's Ryan Tannehill, but after watching him last week, after watching how much better this offense performed under him a week ago, given the matchup against Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have one of the worst secondaries in the NFL, for instance, I would stream Ryan Tannehill over Jameis Winston this week, just just going off in this game. I think you can play him. I think you can play Corey Davis and A.J. Brown as high-end wide receiver fours, low-end wide receiver threes this week. Derrick Henry, you don't love the matchup. You have to start him, though. He's an RB2, has been an RB2. They should be in a position where they can stick to being able to run the football. Um, Look, Tennessee's either going to win this game or it's going to be competitive all the way through. It's one or the other. Either way, Derrick Henry should be involved. He should be able to see his 18 to 20 carries. While you don't love the matchup against Tampa Bay, if he's going to get that much volume, he still has a chance to score. He still has a chance to finish as an RB2. You're not going to shy away from Derrick Henry at all. That's that's it, though. I'm not going to trust Delaney Walker. I'm not going to trust Janu Smith, even if Walker doesn't play, because we're not sure about that yet. But the tight ends are just not involved enough. Janu Smith is not consistent enough as a player for me to want to play them for fantasy purposes whatsoever. And I don't see how you can trust them, even, even in a desperate tight end sleeper situation. I think there's guys like Vance McDonald, who's widely available in waiver wires. I would go with Dawson Knox before I would go with one of these guys. Uh, there's other guys who I would turn to before turning to a Janu Smith even if Delaney Walker doesn't play. And I wouldn't play Delaney Walker, even if he does play this week either. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. We still have three more games to get to, or I'm sorry, we still have four more games to get to, and then we'll have the mailbag segment on the other side. Tired of spending hours upon hours on research for your drafts but still want the excitement of having something on the line while watching the game? Well, join the Thrive Fantasy app where they have streamlined the process for you to make it easy and fun to play along. Use promo code MDFF when you sign up with a $10 deposit and receive an additional $10 for free. Again, that's promo code MDFF. Coming in on the last four games, we're going to talk about in this episode to wrap up the preview for the part one here on a Thursday afternoon, a lovely Thursday afternoon, talking football with you guys. We have the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Chargers. This is actually the London game and it will be at one o'clock. It's not going to be an early London game. I believe the next London game actually will be another one of those 930 on the East Coast type of games, but this one will be at one o'clock. Bengals, Rams, whew uh for the Bengals, let's start there because well there's not a lot to talk about joe mixon i don't know how you can play him with any confidence joe mixon is one of those situations where you know the player you know he's good there's a decent chance cordy glenn's going to come back this week so he will have some actual offensive line help don't know if it's going to amount to anything and i don't know how you can trust playing joe mixon if you have another option I would actually leave him on your bench. But he is in one of those situations where there are a lot of teams where they don't really have a better player, so they keep having to play Joe Mixon. I would look for other options, though. Joe Mixon, to me, is definitely unequivocally benchable in your roster. Not dumpable. I've been asked that before. Like, do we just dump Joe Mixon? No, you don't dump a player like Joe Mixon. That's that's not what you do. You want to try to trade him for pennies on the dollar because of the name? That's what you look to try to do. Otherwise, you bench him until maybe the Bengals show some life, till maybe A.J. Green comes back, which leads us to this next thing. A.J. Green's not going to play this week. But we don't know when he's going to come back or if he's going to. I mean, at this point, really, if I'm A.J. Green, unless they trade him, I don't know if I play this season. Because he's in a position where he can keep claiming that he's injured. He'll get paid. And then go hit the free agent market next year because I don't think he wants to be a Cincinnati Bengal a minute more if he can help it. And I don't know why he would return a guy who he knows is going into last year's deal, his last chance to get a contract, is injury prone for a team that hasn't won a game. How how do you how do you why would you come back from that if you're AJ Green? So with Joe Mixon, you're hoping AJ Green comes back to get you some other talent, get some guys out of the box. But unless or until he does, I don't know. I don't. Maybe Cordy Glenn will be enough to improve that offensive line, but right now I don't see how you can play Joe Mixon. There has to be a better option. There has to be another way. Maybe in your team it doesn't, but I my advice would be to bench him. For for Tyler Boyd, volume should be there. He's been really bad. I mean, it's Alex Erickson, Auden Tate. Like these guys have been the ones that you've actually wanted for fantasy production over the past few weeks, not Tyler Boyd who every time gets slotted as the guy who should see the most volume, who should see the most production, especially with those guys out. He's getting bracket coverage by everyone he plays. Now, in this game, is he going to see Jalen Ramsey all the time? I don't think so. I actually think Auden Tate is going to see Jalen Ramsey more in this matchup, which may open the door for Tyler Boyd to get some... Of that actual volume that you've been expecting him to get thrown his way this game. Because Jalen Ramsey's not somebody, while he's going to shadow, isn't somebody who's going to really go into the slot that much. So that's why I do think it's going to be Auden Tate, who primarily plays on the outside, that Jalen Ramsey's going to see most of this game. They may still bracket coverage, Tyler Boyd, because it's just be one-on-one with Ramsey and Tate out there. But it does open the door for him to get the volume, to have the floor that you would expect him to have in the situation the Bengals are in. Again... He has to be downgraded to a very low-end wide receiver three, wide receiver four type of player right now that you only play if you absolutely have to, because you can't trust the production you're getting out of Tyler Boyd either. And that's it. That's that's all the fantasy relevancy. You. You're not going to play Andy Dalton in a streaming situation against the Los Angeles Rams in this one. He's found ways to actually be decent and serviceable for fantasy purposes, whether it's rushing in a touchdown, just the volume he's been seeing in general, but... But I don't know how you trust against the Rams, whose defense does look a lot better with Jalen Ramsey. Does look like they could get back going. Look, the biggest thing here is that Ramsey, and I talked about this when they traded for him, it's not that you added Ramsey. I mean, obviously that's a big get. Obviously that helps your defense. But it's the fact that what comes with Ramsey? He gets to be a shutdown, man-to-man corner that Wade Phillips loves. And when he has man-to-man corners, he can actually run his defensive scheme, which he has not been able to do since they've had Marcus Peters, because Marcus Peters is a zone corner. So now that he can actually run his scheme, the entire defense is going to be improved because that's what they've built this defense to do, to be aggressive and play man-to-man. And now that you get to do that, I think you're going to see the Rams as a team turn it around because their defense is going to make a turnaround and give more options back to the offense. Now, for fantasy purposes, on the offensive side of the ball, yeah, Jared Goff, I think you play him. Look, there's going to be a chance here. That they dominate this game to the point where Goff doesn't throw it that much. That is a possibility. However, if you're in a situation where you're streaming quarterbacks, there are very few better matchups than Jared Goff against the Cincinnati Bengals right now with the way their defense is in a lending game. So that is going to be a possibility. There's a chance he has a low floor because it's just of game flow, but it's not going to be because of the matchup. So he's a possibility there. Todd Gurley, you have to love Todd Gurley for a couple of reasons. The biggest one, obviously, Cincinnati Bengals, they haven't been able to stop anybody on the ground. But the second one is that Todd Gurley was visibly, genuinely upset last week. This is a game in which they won 37-10, to and Todd Gurley was clearly upset with its offensive line not being able to give him room to run, clearly upset with the lack of production that he was able to put up in that game. Because of what they were doing, they brought Todd Gurley back in the fourth quarter in a game that they were up by several scores to try to see if they can give him an extra touchdown just to appease him. Todd Gurley's pissed off, and he's going to have his chance to take it out on the Cincinnati Bengals. I think this is going to be the first week of the season that Todd Gurley goes for over 100 yards rushing. So Gurley's sky's the limit. And he looked healthy to me last week, too. And we'll add that caveat in, too, by the way. We don't know if Malcolm Brown's going to play. I think it's going to be another week of Daryl Henderson as the handcuff, just as a little FYI to Todd Gurley owners, you uh, even making sure you have the right handcuffs in. Um, I do think when Malcolm Brown comes back healthy, he does go back to being the number two. But we've seen that with no Todd Gurley. Now, granted, Malcolm Brown did get hurt in that game, so it's also a little bit tough to gauge. But it did seem as though there will be a committee behind Gurley. So there may not be a clear-cut handcuff unless one of them is injured. Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, play them all. All three of them could finish in the top 30 of wide receivers this week against Cincinnati Bengals. Brandon Cooks is due for a big game. Um, Cooper Cup is as safe as they come. He's been a wide receiver one, and that doesn't change in this matchup. But who's going to be that second guy? I think there's a better chance that Brandon Cooks is that second guy just because he's due. And this is a chance to get him going, get his big playability on display here in London. Robert Woods is always going to be that guy who is going to be involved, uh, going to get you probably 60 to 80 yards. The question will be whether he gets you in the end zone, probably gets you five to six catches. That's all good and well in a possibility here too, but Brandon Cooks to me is the guy who has the high ceiling in this game. Gerald Everett. Yeah, you play Gerald Everett. He has become a tight end one. He's involved in this offense on a week-to-week basis. to love the matchup here. You start Gerald Everett. It's hard to find good tight ends. He's one of those guys you've been able to pick up off the waiver wire and be able to start, and you may have a tight end now for the rest of the season that you can actually play with confidence on a week-to-week basis. So, yeah, you start Gerald Everett. Next game to we'll talk about, Arizona Cardinals, New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees looks like he's going to be back. Uh... Coming back off the injury report, they did say that this was the plan for them all the time. There was some question, you know, with the bye week next week, and being that's Arizona, and being that Teddy Bridgewater's 5-0 as a starter, do you really bring Drew Brees back or just make sure he's 100%? But it sounds like Drew Brees gave it a go in practice yesterday. He said he had an easier time gripping and throwing the football than he expected to, and it's very much looking like Drew Brees is going to play. That means sky's the limit for Michael Thomas. Yes, he's going to see Patrick Peterson this week, but... It's still Michael Thomas. It's still the Saints. They're going to move Michael Thomas around. Patrick Peterson usually does not shadow people into the slot. They will move him in there. And this offensive passing game, it starts and stops with Michael Thomas. The targets are just going to be there. So even a tough matchup against Patrick Peterson, maybe he doesn't have a 150-yard, two-touchdown type of ceiling, but 100 yards and touchdown is still feasible with the amount of volume that he could have, plus with Drew Brees coming back in this game against the Arizona Cardinals. Who are going to have to come back from behind. And even though they've been a little bit more conservative and been able to lean on their running game a little bit more as of late, because it's New Orleans Saints, because they shut down the run. I think Arizona's gonna be wind up going back to their actual air raid system of playing more four wide receivers in this game because they're going to have to. Which will also bode well for Michael Thomas and the entire Saints offense because they should get more opportunities because of that as they go more up tempo. The question is Alvin Kamara. He's still he didn't practice yesterday. It doesn't look like he's going to practice today. So he has one more day to get out in the practice field for him to have a chance, I think, to suit up on Sunday. If he doesn't practice tomorrow, I don't see why you take the chance against the Arizona Cardinals when you have a bye week next week and when you have Latavius Murray, who's filled in very nicely in his absence. So if you have Kamara, hopefully you have Latavius Murray. Even if you do not, uh, if, you're, if you picked up Latavius Murray last week, even if you're not the Alvin Kamara owner, wait till tomorrow's practice report to know what to do with Latavius Murray. If Kamara does not play, Murray's an RB2 automatic especially with that workhorse volume, especially against the Arizona Cardinals automatic RB two this week. We'll have to see what happens there. We're going to know more about that. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at MDS show to make sure you get those player news update notifications that I'll be going through today and tomorrow and all through the weekend every day. That's why I'm here for you guys. Outside of that, Jared cook looking again, like he's probably not going to play. He also has not practiced yet this week. I will be Josh Hill again. I know against the Arizona Cardinals, you want to stream tight ends. But I actually think with Patrick Peterson back now, they're not going to be as pathetic against a tight end. And look, Evan Ingram wasn't able to take advantage last week either. Now you might be asking, what does Patrick Peterson have to do with the tight end situation? It's what he—it's kind of like the Jalen Ramsey effect. It's what he's able to do for the defensive scheme and play calling as a whole with him being on the field. Byron Murphy, who's a pretty good young up-and-coming corner as a rookie, can get to stick that second wide receiver. And as a result, they're not just giving up the middle of the field. They're not just bailing out on that coverage. They can actually zone user safeties where they normally can be used, because you actually do have two decent corners on the outside, and you can play zone over the middle, which helps take away way to tight end more so than they were before so they're still not gonna be great against the tight end or anything there's still gonna be a matchup you're gonna want to take advantage of when you have a good tight end to throw but it doesn't automatically make guys like josh hill fantasy relevant anymore so keep that in mind too on the cardinal side of the ball doesn't look like david johnson's gonna play uh, they signed Zach Zenner. They signed Alfred Morris this week. That's because DJ Foster was re-injured and because it looks like David Johnson's not going to play. So they have depth. Chase Evans is going to be the workhorse. You have to start him at least as a flex play. But against the New Orleans Saints, my expectations would definitely be limited this week. You're going up against the number one run defense in the NFL. I don't know how much room he's going to find. I do think the Saints are going to dominate that line of scrimmage. So Chase Emmons, you're looking for him to be involved in the pass game, which he will be if David Johnson's out. He will be the workhorse guy. So he still has a safe floor as a result to that. But I don't, you're not going to see another three touchdown, 150 yard performance out of him this week. Uh, he'll be lucky if he even gets maybe 60 yards this week, quite frankly, or even gets into the end zone, especially from a rushing standpoint. He has a better chance to do it in the receiving game. That's why I still think he has a decent floor. Like I said, but he's not going to be a guy who has a big time upside this week. Larry Fitzgerald, I do think you have to lean on him. Christian Kirk might be back this week. They He hasn't been performing as well because they haven't had as much volume. Because they haven't had to. The last few weeks, when they've gone on this winning streak, they've been in matches where they've been able to run the football and go off of that and be a little more conservative and not play so far wide. This is a game they're going to be coming from behind. They're going to go back to what they've been doing. They've been going. They're going to go back to more four receiver sets. They're going to go back to being a more up tempo air raid offense. I do think the volume, even with Christian Kirk coming back, is going to be there for Larry Fitzgerald. He's still nothing more than a low end wide receiver three, but in PPR leagues, I do think he has a floor in this game where I do expect it to be garbage time. Christian Kirk, I'm not going to start him his first week back. He has a high chance of re injury in this one, but. He is somebody who, if you dropped him, I would pick him up. I would roster him. I would see how this game goes. I would see how he looks from a health standpoint. He's somebody who's going to have fantasy value down the road uh, as far as floor-wise goes as a wide receiver, three flex play type of guy. I just wouldn't play him this week in his first week back. Next game we're going to talk about is the Jets and the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game. Look, Sam Darnold didn't practice yesterday, is practicing in a limited capacity today with a toe injury that he picked up during the game when he quote-unquote saw ghosts. Ooh, man. Ooh, man. When when Monday Night Football aired that quote from Sam Darrell, I knew there was going to be a huge amount of backlash. I mean, absolutely crazy. First of all, crazy thing for Sam Darnold to say, knowing you're mic'd up, but for them to put that on national television, and the best part was, it was only halfway through the game, so I can understand Adam Gase's point of view of why he was so upset, because really, if you have anybody in the press box of the Patriots watching the Monday Night Broadcast, and they do have the Monday Night Broadcast on in the press box, or in the upper echelon box where all the elite guys, Robert Kraft and all them sit... (laughs) They could easily tell Bob Johnson, I am like, hey, not that you couldn't tell by the play on the field, but hey, uh, keep doing what you're doing because he's saying he's seeing ghosts out there. I mean, whoo, that was bad. That was really bad. Look, better days are ahead for the Jets offense. They actually have some fantasy players that I think have some serviceability to them moving forward. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell, you continue to play him as an RB 2 The volume's there. He's trying really hard. I was very impressed with him in that Monday night game. They were getting blown out, but in the fourth quarter, he was still running hard, still looking to try to make something out of nothing, spark that team in some kind of way, be a playmaker. As long as he keeps running like that, he's going to have games where he's going to be able to put up decent production, and he's going to be a safe floor every week because of the volume that he receives. He'll get more involved in the passing game when Sam Donald has a second or two to actually think before he throws. So against Jacksonville Jaguars, I think he'll have a better game here. He'll be involved. You can play him. I don't know if I trust to start anybody outside of the Jets for this week, but guys like Robbie Anderson with Sam Donald in there are going to have matchups where he can be a big play threat. Jamison Crowder is going to have games, and this could actually be one of those games, but I wouldn't necessarily trust her necessarily this week but this guy's be one of those games where james a crowder for ppr leagues can be a flex can be a wide receiver for who has a high volume uh possibility being that's the adam gay system they favor the slot receiver and sam Darland and whatnot favors slot receiver he's always going to have that high floor capability in a ppr league because of his role and his capabilities as well the wild card though is the Marius thomas right now And if Demaryius Thomas, he had the most targets last week, if he's going to be involved to that point, like he was against the Patriots, now he's done. He he himself does not have fantasy value. But if he's going to be that involved, it does take away opportunities from Robbie Anderson and Jameson Crowder. Now, I don't know if this is because it was against the Patriots, the way that game went. If that was the case, I think we're going to get a better gauge of what to expect and what the target share is going to be with these three receivers with, one, Chris Chris Herndon coming back in this one, so we're going to see him involved as well. So we're going to see all the Jets' offensive players involved in this game against Jacksonville Jaguars, who are a tough defense, but it shouldn't be lights out the way it was against the Patriots. So we're going to have a better idea after this game exactly where these guys are all going to fall in the totem pole, what we can expect from them moving forward. But right now, this week, outside of Le'Veon Bell, I don't know how you trust to start any Jets player. For the Jacksonville Jaguars... Gardner Minshew is a streaming viable quarterback this week against the New York Jets. It should be a competitive game. I actually think he has a chance to have a better performance this week than he did against the Cincinnati Bengals. Not because the Jets are worse, obviously, but because it's going to be a game in which they're going to have to actually utilize the passing game a little bit more. Look, they didn't have to do a whole lot to beat the Bengals last week. They played conservative. They didn't have to push the ball down the field too much. I do think Minshew is going to be in a situation where they have to use him more and he'll have a better opportunity for more fantasy production. Having said that, he may not have D.D. Westbrook. Uh, the second day in a row, Westbrook does not practice because of a shoulder injury. He did uh, miss some practice time last week with the same injury, and obviously he played and had 100 yards, and there was no report of there being a setback anywhere. But it doesn't look have a good look. He'll definitely not be 100%. I do think this sets up to be more of a DJ chart game anyway, and I do think that he will get back to being a... Low-end wide receiver 2, high-end wide receiver 3 with some upside with his big play capabilities and his red zone looks. I do think it's going to go back towards DJ Chark's way, even if Westbrook plays in this matchup. Especially since Minshew's pretty good against the blitz. And the Jets with Greg Williams will definitely be blitzing in this game. Leonard Fournette, obviously you play him. He's an RB1. The volume has been absolutely ridiculous, and he has been playing better and better as of late. Hopefully, Robinson's able to come back this week. Their offensive lineman, he did get banged up last week. And he's a big reason why that run game has been able to be more efficient moving forward. We don't know that as of yet exactly what's going on there. But if he is able to play, uh, Leonard Fournette should be just fine in this one. And that's pretty much all the fantasy relevance that you're going to get out of the Jaguars too. Next game, last game we're going to talk about for this episode is the Oakland Raiders and the Houston Texans. It looks like Tyra Williams might have a chance to play this Sunday. He was able to come back and practice yesterday. If you're able to practice on a Wednesday, it's usually a pretty good sign that you're getting close to returning from your injury, which is a little bit shocking given the comments from John Gruden last week saying he has plantar fasciitis and he really didn't get that much better coming out of the bye, missed last week's game. But it does seem like he is looking like he's going to be on track to play in this one. That does take away some volume from Darren Waller. Uh, especially in the red zone because Tyrell Williams has been heavily utilized in the red zone. He's a big reason why Darren Waller hadn't had a touchdown until last week when he got two. Now, there's no reason why they both can't score touchdowns, but that's just how it has been working out to that point. So it is something to consider when looking at Darren Waller's ceiling. But Against the Houston Texans in a game in which Oakland's probably going to have to score points and probably going to have to come back from behind, most likely, given the Houston offense right now, given the poorest defense of the Oakland Raiders. There's going to be plenty of volume for both of them to be involved. If Tyrell Williams plays, I think he's a wide receiver three that you can play in the flex at the very least this week. Darren Waller, obviously you're starting him. Top five tight end, period. No matter what the situation is, the volume he's been getting is right there. Josh Jacobs, you start him. He's been getting... 20 plus touches every single week since the London game. As long as that continues to be the case with the way he has been playing, you play Josh Jacobs, he'll be fine against the Houston Texans. The biggest thing about the Raiders right now is that, and you saw it last week against the Green Bay Packers, one of the reasons they were put up as many points as they were, one of the reasons Josh Jacobs was as successful as he was, is not just because you can run the ball in the Packers, but that offensive line of the Oakland Raiders for the first time all season long is completely healthy. You saw last week what having Gabe Jackson back can mean for that running game. They had holes all over the place. I expect the same thing against the Houston Texans, who, even though their run defense has been decent this year, haven't really been that challenged either, not just because of the teams that they have played. They have played against some good running backs, but mostly because of that secondary has been so bad, that teams have just thrown on them. Oakland Raiders are going to be balanced. John Gurdon wants to run the football, so that's where we're going to see a beat at play in this one. I don't think the Houston Texans are that stout against the run to be worried about anything, especially with the amount of touches Jacobs has been having. He still is a high-end RB2 this week. Texans side of the ball, you start who you start. You can start Carlos Hyde. Uh, Duke Johnson, I'm still not playing him in my fantasy leagues. He's still nothing more than a handcuff in my mind. He did get some more run last week. That's because the Houston Texans had to come back from behind in a big way in that game. In games that shape up to be shootouts, Duke Johnson might have some flex appeal sometimes in full-point PPR leagues. But knowing exactly when that's going to happen, I think it's a shot in the dark in itself, and I wouldn't play him. So, Carlos Hyde, you can play him. He's going, to get the run. he's going to get chances to get runs in this game. I do think the Texans will be up in this one in the second half, so you're going to see that It'd be Carlos High. He's going to get some volume there. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins. You play Kenny Stills this week. Coming in, Wolf Fuller's out for the foreseeable future. This is a great matchup. You can play Kenny Stills, I think, as a high-end wide receiver through with upside this week. Uh, you can play him with confidence. Kiki Kute, he's more of a low-end wide receiver four, until we see him actually be more involved in the offense. And he's going to have his chance to do so now. and This is a good matchup. But if you're in PPR leagues, once he proves to be a focal point in this offense, then you can play him with some confidence. The problem Kute is running into right now is that the tight ends have been more involved in this offense this year than they ever had been. So that's really the main issue he's running into. He's still the same player. He is going to get his chance to come back in the slot. But the reason he didn't go off or have big games when Stills was out and Fuller was out there and Kute came in as a third receiver, is because these tight ends are more involved. If that continues to be the case, that will limit Kute's ceiling possibilities as the season goes on. But we'll see what happens here. You're not going to start him this week. Just something to keep your eye on for the future. Obviously, Deshaun Watson's the top five quarterback against the Oakland Raiders. Enough said. So that wraps up all of our preview matchups. We're going to take one last break, come back on the other side. We have the mailbag segment, and then we'll close out the episode. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at unwrapsports.com. Again, that's unwrapsports.com. Time for the mailbag. I guess I should probably get a drop for this at some point, maybe next year, guys. And in the meantime, my beautiful singing voice should be enough for you. I'm just kidding. I'll never do that again. I want to spare MD Nation from that horribleness. But... What I don't want to spare you from is from your peers, from MD Nation, asking me questions about their fantasy football matchups. As always, I'm so glad you guys use me as a tool and trust me to help you out with your matchups. That's what I'm here for. It's why I do this show. And that's why this is my favorite part of the entire episode, my chance to give back to you great listeners who help make the show great and help motivate me to keep doing better. And first up today, we have Brian from Twitter. He asks, in a standard league would you start Damian Williams, Miles Sanders, or Mark Walton? He did add in his notes he's pretty desperate, and obviously those are the three players that you're choosing from. Being that this is a standard league, I would have to say my Mark Walton, I don't think, is going to have any running room against the Pittsburgh Steelers, even though he's been the guy who's now gotten the bulk of the work over the past couple of weeks in the, in the run game and was decent against Buffalo. But the Steelers' defense has been really good as of late. I don't think he's going to find much room, even without Stephon it for the Steelers' defense. So I do think Miles Sanders, he just he doesn't have a high floor. None of these guys do. But he does have the highest ceiling because he could make a big play in a passing game. He could bust one out. He has that capability to do so. I think the Eagles are going to be in a tough game this week. I do think Miles Sanders is somebody who I would play because he has more of an upside than Mark Walton or Damian Williams' this particular week. Damian Williams, I wouldn't even roster him at this point. He's not involved enough. Daryl Williams getting more and more involved. With Sean McCoy is taking over more and more as the actual rusher. And because they're splitting between all three of them, Damian Williams isn't even the main pass catcher anymore. So I wouldn't even, especially in a standard league, I wouldn't even roster Damian Williams anymore at this point. Next up, we have Date. I think, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Date from Facebook asks, Corey Davis or Kenny Stills in the flex? This is actually a pretty good one. Both of these guys have really good matchups this week. Corey Davis going up against Tampa. Kenny Stills going up against Oakland. I would have to say it depends on what your team needs, right? Because if your team, if you're looking at you just need a guy who's going to be able to come in and definitely give you some serviceability and give you a high floor where you don't necessarily need to hit a home run to win the week. I would go with Corey Davis against Tampa Bay. He should see the target volume. It is a good matchup with Ryan Tannehill, a quarterback. Uh, I do think Corey Davis will have at least a decent day. He does have somewhat of an upside against Tampa Bay, but the big plays, even with Ryan Tannehill, aren't really going to be there. So I don't think he has a huge upside in this one, which is why I say he has a safer floor. But if you're in a situation where you're thinking you're the underdog heading into a matchup, and you think you need to hit a home run to get the firepower necessary to compete with your opponent, then I would go with Kenny Stills. Going up against the Oakland Raiders... I think it's guaranteed that he's going to be worked in. It's guaranteed that he's going to get his shots down the field. It's just going to be a matter of connecting on them. I think he has a huge upside in this one. I love him for DFS because he has a huge upside for this game, too. But Kenny Stills is the guy I would go to if you need the upside pick. So it just really depends Dave, on what you need this week. If you want me to, just to choose between the two of them, I would say I would lean towards Corey Davis because I would take the higher floor. He has a chance to get a touchdown in this one, too, to give him a decent. Decent ceiling at the end of the day. But I don't think you can go wrong with either one in this matchup. Next up, AK300. They didn't give me their name. I only had their email address. So it's AK300 from email asks, I traded Philip Dorsett for Robbie Anderson. And now at the Josh Gordon news, did I mess that up? First of all, you traded Philip Dorsett for Robbie Anderson before you knew about Josh Gordon. So already you didn't mess up in that sense because... How, your, how are you supposed to know? How are you supposed to know the future? So, no, you didn't mess up. Now, as far as what does it mean moving forward? Does this hurt your team now? I talked about the receivers for the Patriots. Philip Dorsett still has a chance, now they trade for Muhammad Sanu, to be the odd man out there when Nikhil Harry comes back. Robbie Anderson, with the healthy Sam Darnold, does have matchups down the road where you can play him as a home run threat to help your team out. So, no, you still didn't mess up. I would still rather have Robbie Anderson than Philip Dorset for the rest of the season. So you're fine, AK-300. You still did good. Don't worry about it. That wraps up the show for today. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We will be back tomorrow, as always, on Friday with our second preview where we go over the 4 o'clock games, the Sunday night, and the Monday night, and, of course, give you the next injury updates for the end of the week as well. And we will cap it off with a mailbag segment once again. So make sure you come back tomorrow. Make sure you're checking out the rankings on www.mdffshow.com. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at MDSFFshow for the player news update notifications. And, of course, follow me along on Facebook at mdf. FF show for your convenience. Check out any one of my networks, the Belly Up Sports Network, where we're running fantasy. Uh, we're doing a great job in the fantasy department there. I'm in charge of that one now. We're expanding it soon. It's gonna include basketball and hockey and baseball down the road. But right now the football aspect of it has taken off. We will be on there, nine o'clock in the morning on Sunday helping you guys out with any start sit questions that you might need. So you can you can go to my direct Twitter at MDSFFshow Show or you can go to at belly up fantasy. Either way, your questions will be answered by me for your fantasy matchups. This week, so make sure you utilize us as a tool. Also, check out Unwrap Sports, where I do the sportscaster videos. I will be doing two of those this week, two more this week. I did the waiver wire report on there. I will be doing the rankings like I do every week and the injury report like I do every week uh, this weekend at some point. Make sure you're following me along to know exactly when those are going to drop. as it's not always a set schedule thing for those videos. And check out the Overtime Heroics, where you can go to for their great forums uh, to be able to talk about sports, your favorite sport with all fans from all over the world. Hope you guys all enjoy the show. I will see you tomorrow. Have a lovely day.
1: Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show.